And our theme verse has been through this entire series, Hebrews chapter number 12, verse number 1. And it's on the foot or the heels of Hebrews 11 that tells about all the greats, that by faith they finished their race. And Hebrews 12, 1 says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything. That's why I love that Forrest Gump clip. It's like, throw off those things. Just all those excuses, all the hurts, all the pains, all the past failures. You know, sometimes we allow the hurts, the disappointments to stop us from running the race that God has for us. I know people today that refuse to come to church because they've been hurt by church. But yet it is the church where God is going to encourage you along your journey. How many have discovered that already? And it says, and, and it says uh, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us. And then it goes on in verse number 2. But, uh, you know, so what we've done is we've taken some of the Bible heroes. Week number one, Noah came out of the stands, maybe threw a shoulder under us and helped us get up. And his statement to us was, one man can make a difference. And I don't know about you, but I find that important because every once in a while, I don't know if you ever do this, but every once in a while I think, does my life matter? Am I making any kind of impact? And I know sometimes it's just, you know, you punch the time clock, you do your eight hours or 10 hours or 12 hours or whatever it is, and you punch it and you go home and go to bed and you get up and do the same thing. But Noah helps us to understand that we can make a difference. Last week we heard from Joseph, and Joseph comes out of the stands, and his word of encouragement to us is to never give up. And if anybody had an excuse to give up, I mean the man Joseph, he had a lot of reasons to give up, but he encourages us, don't give up. Don't give up on your dreams. When people don't believe in you, when it doesn't start the way you think, he just encourages us not to give up. And I only have five weeks to pick out some Bible characters because we could pick out literally dozens and dozens of them. And, and one of the one, most obvious ones that we're not going to use is Abraham. Abraham is the father of our faith. Uh, God had promised him that his descendants would be as many as the stars in the heaven. Matter of fact, if you grew up in church, how many of you grew up in church and remember being in children's church singing Father Abraham? See, I already seen people's arms moving, huh? How many, you know, Father Abraham, how many know what I'm talking about? How many have no idea what I'm talking about? Let me see your hands. All right. You just think, what a weirdo up there, Father Abraham. It's like you can't sing it without starting to do what our right hand and left hand and right foot and left foot have to do with it. I don't know, but I just knew I am one of them, and so are you, so let's just praise the Lord. That's all I knew, okay, right? Okay. How do you like me, Ron? Am I doing good? Come on now, all right? So, anyway, Father Abraham, and uh, I started to talk about him, but man, there's so many life lessons he could teach us. I thought I would do this. I thought, instead of talking about Abraham, I want to visit his, what would become his daughter-in-law. And, and I want to talk about her because there's only a few verses in the whole Bible that describes her story and tells her story. And it's kind of one of them obscure passages of Scripture that we could just read right past and miss this valuable life lesson about running our race. So here comes Rebecca out of the stands, maybe to run a mile with us, maybe to get in our race and just run and encourage us a little bit. And I think that if Rebecca was able to get out of the stands and talk to us today, here's what she would say. She would say, give generously to others. 
And you say, well, Ken, come on, Matt. That doesn't sound like something that would encourage me along in the race. I'm down. I've stumbled. I've fallen. I need somebody to give me like a a Rocky Balboa motivational statement, not give more. I'm on the mat. I can't give. I think before we're done today, you're going to recognize the value when you help somebody else in their race, how much it helps you in your race. The best place to be in life is being a blessing to somebody. I always say it's a trick on the devil. When the devil's messing with you in an area of your life, help somebody else in that same area of their life. Man, it's a good trick to play on the devil. And you will find that when you spend your life helping others run their race, Living generously, giving generously. And by the way, this is not a message about money. So don't get on guard all of a sudden. Because how many know there's more to giving than just giving financially? There's giving words of encouragement. There's there's giving hope. There's, There's giving value. There's complimenting people. Come on. Right? And and so when I talk about giving generously, this is exactly what Rebecca did. She would say things like, hey, Ken, look, if you live your life like this with your hands up trying to receive all the time, you're going to receive on Christmas and your birthday. But if you'll learn to live life with your palms down, giving to others, you literally will receive every single day of the year because there's something inspirational about being able to help other people. Now, Let me put this text into context. Abraham is promised by God that he's going to be the father of many nations, the father of faith. And uh, but the problem is we don't have a child yet and he's getting older in years. God promises him and Sarah a child. If you know the story, if not, watch the Bible tonight. Okay, what a good ploy. They didn't even pay me for that. All right. So anyway, um, but but so he finally has a son and his name is Isaac. And then God asked him to sacrifice him, only just in time to rescue him from that sacrifice. But now Abraham's getting older, and so is Isaac. And Isaac isn't married off yet, so no grandkids are coming. And so Abraham's thinking, man, how is this promise going to be fulfilled? Well, in those days, it was uh, was the custom of the day for the parents to pick their children's spouse. How many think that's a great idea, right? All the unmarried people are like, no way, man. My dad could not do that. You know what I'm saying? All right. But there's parents that are going, that would be a good idea because I don't like him, but I do like, you know, and there'd be a lot of trading going on. All right. We're fortunate because uh, our future daughter-in-law, I could not have picked better, all right? And uh, she is a sweetheart. And uh, so anyway, Abraham takes... Uh, his chief servant puts him on a camel, camel, and loads up ten other camels with gifts and jewels. How many ladies are like I do? You know, and, and, and he says, "Okay, I want you to go out and find a wife for my son." Now, I don't know. The Bible doesn't really tell us what's going on in Isaac's life at the time, but I bet Isaac is like seriously praying. You know, God, don't send him to find me a spouse. He's probably doing one of them twenty-one days of fasting kind of thing. I don't know if he slips the guy a note and says, hey, look, I like blondes, and, you know, she has to be a good conversational, must love cats, you know, that kind of, I don't know if it's like slipping notes to her or whatever, but, you know, if I was Isaac, I'd be, oh, Lord Jesus, please, you know, that kind of thing. Well, I guess, not Lord Jesus, well, never mind. Okay, so, anyway, this is where the story, this is where the story picks up. So, this guy is ready to go out and find Isaac a spouse, and here's where it picks up Genesis 
Genesis chapter number 24, I'm just going to pull out a few verses. And here's this chief servant now. He's praying. How many think this is a pretty big responsibility? He's got to go find a spouse for the one that's going to become like the first in the many nations. I mean, that's a pretty big deal. I, I mean, I'd be a little nervous. And so he starts off with prayer. Good thing to do. And he says, O Lord God of my master Abraham, give me success today. And show kindness to my master Abraham. Now, now, what he's getting ready to do in verse number 13 is what we call setting a fleece before the Lord. And that was used, that was a very common thing in the Old Testament. I don't really necessarily advise that today. Because in the New Testament, we have the Holy Spirit that can speak to us. And the Bible says that he can lead us into all truth. Um, but in the Old Testament, they would say, they would pray things like, Lord, I'm going to do this. And if this happens, I'm going to view it as your will. And uh, so that's kind of what's going on. Verse 13 says, see, I am standing beside the spring and the daughters of the townspeople are coming out to draw water. May it be that when I say to a girl, please let down your jar that I may have a drink. And she says, drink and I'll water your camels too. Let her be the one that you have chosen for your servant Isaac. <laughs> okay, you guys get the picture. By this, I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. It goes on, says a couple other things there. Uh, before he had finished praying... Rebecca comes out with her jar on her shoulder, okay? And she was the daughter of a bunch of people that I can't pronounce, and, and if you can, that's great. Okay, so the next verse says, The servant hurried to meet her and said, Please give me a little... She was in for a setup. I mean, you know, right? He says, Please give me a little water from your jar. Drink, my lord, she said, and quickly lowered the jar to her hands and gave him to drink. Now watch this. After she had given him a drink, she said, I'll draw water for your camels too, until they have finished drinking. So she quickly emptied the jar into the troughs. Watch this. And she ran. You talk about somebody that's like, she's thrilled about serving. She isn't like, oh man, I can't believe what a day. Of all times to go to the well, right? I mean, she gives him something to drink and then she books back. That's Greek for hurried, okay? She hurries back and like, man, I can't wait to serve. I can't wait to be in church. I mean, I can't wait to water these camels. What? She ran quickly, or she ran back to the well to draw more water and, and drew enough for all the camels. She's probably thinking, of all people, ten camels, right? Okay. Without saying a word, the man watched her closely to learn whether or not the Lord had made his journey successful. Last verse. When the camels had finished drinking, the man took out, I love this, I just, I just love this. The man took out a gold nose ring. Huh? Now there's a romantic proposal. Hey, feed, excuse me, water these dirty camels. Once you get all hot and sweaty, running back and forth with this five-gallon, you know, bucket on your shoulder, I'm going to get down and propose to you for a guy you've never met and stick a gold ring in your nose. Clamp. You know what I mean? Come on. I mean, this is like the craziest story ever. I love this. 
Carmen, aren't you glad that it, that isn't the way it worked out? You know? Instead of Jake proposing as romantic as he did, I show up. Huh? You see, you know my Harleys, they need some oil changing. Once you get done with that, come on over here, girl. Clap, you know, right in your nose. All right, you're engaged. Okay. And so, and it, it was Wayne, a Becca, and two gold bracelets weighing ten shekels. Or, uh, yeah, ten shekels. And uh, anyway, this is the act of kindness. She was in no obligation to do this at all. But man, what she did changed her life forever. See, the misconception about living generously for others is we constantly are thinking about what it does for them. But it's not about what it does for them. It's about what it does for us. Are you hearing that today? Now, let's put this in perspective before we go any further. I want you to kind of put your mind around what she did. First of all, there were ten camels. And uh, I think we have a little, there are 10 camels, and as I read, uh, Google is great, I Google camels and how much they could drink, and camels on an average can drink about 20 gallons. I mean, you know, that's a lot of water, right? And so, so here we got, she has to get 200 gallons of water. And, and so she, she gets 200 gallons of water drawn with a five-gallon jar. They carried these on average five-gallon jar, like a Homer bucket from Home Depot, you know? And so she goes back and she runs over there to do that. That's 40 trips that she's running back and forth. Okay? And then, 40 trips, and, and I'm just going to say because she ran, it only took her three minutes. And it probably took longer than that, but just... For my math, that equals two hours. So she made 40 trips, got 200 gallons, and it took her two hours. Man, this woman is like Hercules. You know what I mean? It's like, Isaac is that away. You know what I mean? This girl, she's got to be strong, and Isaac, I just know, better not mess up. All right? And Because uh, she is one strong woman. But here's Rebecca. She jumps out of the stands, and she says this. If you're going to have success running your race... Somewhere in life, you're going to have to learn that it's not all about you. It's about taking some others and helping them. And I've come to discover as I'm getting a little bit older now that life is not about me crossing the finish line. It's about helping others. And there is nothing more fulfilling than to see others meet their goals and meet their destinies and rejoicing when they rejoice and seeing them reach milestones in their life. And it's about not living selfishly. She comes out of the stands and she says, let me, let me help you. Let, let me help you live generously. And her life was radically changed simply because she didn't just give him a drink of water, but she had a and then some attitude. And do you know, she didn't know it at the time, but she married into the family tree of Jesus. All because she said, let me help. And I wonder how many of us could get married into the blessings of our Lord if we would learn how to live and run our race the very same way that Rebecca ran her race. Now, what happens after there, the guy gets off the camel, he proposes for Isaac, that whole thing, clamps the nose ring in, all that kind of stuff. But here, here's, the, here's the facts. I wonder what would happen in our lives if we ran our race if we lived our life with less focus on ourselves and more focus on those around us, what would it look like if new generations took on a Rebecca spirit, took on a Rebecca attitude? What would it look like in our church if we just decided we're going to serve one another? 
What would it look like in our marriages? What would it look like in our homes? What would be different at work if we would stop just not always be there about the paycheck, but how could I make the place better? Amen. What would it look like in our ministry at New Generations if every person said, you know what, ever since the church started, Ken has been talking about the growth track, and I'm just going to go because I'm tired of hearing about it and not knowing what's going on. And every single person found whether it was a little or a big ministry to get involved and serve one another. Amen. Can I just tell you something without being rude? We don't need you. That's not why I asked you to get involved. And I don't mean that rude. It's not like, uh-oh, we will not get... I can, find, I can pay somebody to put up chairs if we had to. So it's not like we got to have you or we're going to fail. It's never about that. I'm never up here recruiting you because if you don't do it, we're going to fail. It's more about giving you the opportunity to learn the blessing it is to find where you can serve and the joy of the fellowship and knowing that I had a part in building the kingdom of God. You see, I set up the chair today where the person raised their hand and gave their heart and life to Jesus Christ. I watched the babies today. I gave in children's ministry today. I greeted somebody at the door and their life was forever changed and I got to be a part of that. See, we've got to get a bigger picture than just us. Is, is everybody hearing that today? And that's exactly what Rebecca did. She lived her life that way. Now, i got to get into these. I think there's four things that Rebecca would say to us about living generously. They're in your notes. And, I, and, and in our church, our tradition is not to impress you with our Bible knowledge, but to try to break it down into practical, everyday, livable, applicable kind of things. So, Rebecca says uh, four things about living generously. Number one, you can't be generous and legalistic at the same time. You just can't do it. You, you, if you'll meet somebody legalistic, they are not generous. Legalistic people, man, it's like it's about them, it's about what they're doing, and they want to impose their convictions on you, and you cannot be generous, and you cannot be gracious at the same time. See, let me just say it a different way. You can't, you, you can't count and keep score. You can't give and keep score. You can't give with the mindset, I'm keeping score because I want to give. That's legalism. Man, I'm going to give my time today, and man, God's going to bless me back. I'm going to give my money today, and man, I know exactly how much because I'm expecting God to give me back. Now, we cannot escape from the fact that when we give, whether it's our time, our talent, our tithe, whatever it is, we can't escape the fact that there is a truth that when we give, the Bible says, it shall be given unto us. There is a truth that says the same measure you give with is the same measure that God will give back. In other words, not in amount, but in attitude. So, so there is the law of the harvest. What you plan is what you're going to reap, right? We can't escape from that. But it's an attitude issue. See, we cannot give with the mindset that I'm giving to get. We have to give with the mindset that I'm giving because I love the Lord and I want to bless the kingdom. And as a result of that, God will give back good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Is everybody tracking with me on that? And, and, and so um, God, wants us, God wants us to be blessed, but he wants us to be blessed so that we can be a blessing to other people. 
And, and that's exactly how Rebecca lived her life. Not out of, he doesn't want us to give out of manipulation. He doesn't want us to give with a bad attitude. He wants us to be willing to give. Now remember, I'm not just talking about money. He wants us to be willing to give to others. Willing to give an encouraging word. Willing to give a compliment. Willing to encourage somebody when you yourself are the one that needs to be encouraged. He wants us to be looking for those opportunities. And what would it look like if we created that kind of community where every time we've seen somebody coming in the door, then we just built them up and we encourage them. We talked about how glad we are to see them and how helpful they are. What would happen if we have that kind of thing? And let me just say a couple things philosophically about our church. That's who I want us to be. I don't want us to be legalistic people that we keep track of and I served in the nursery and nobody ever thanked me. No, no, that, that's not why we're doing it. We want to have this willing attitude that says, man, I'm not only going to bless you, but line up your ten camels also. I'm going to bless everything that I put my hand to. It's the end then some. That's kind of a challenging word, isn't it? One of my favorite verses in the Bible, and it does talk a little bit about money, is found in 2 Corinthians chapter number 9, verse 7 and 8. It says, each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give. Now let me make a couple things clear, just for a second on the financial thing. When it talks about giving in your heart, I believe that the baseline is a tithe. I believe that. I believe the Bible teaches that, to bring my first fruit back. And there's a whole lot of uh, understanding about that that I won't go into. But watch this, not reluctantly. In other words, it's not like, oh man, it's the time. I gotta feed all these camels. I gotta, I gotta set up today. I gotta serve in the ministry today. I gotta go to practice. I gotta do small group. Man, why did I do that? Not reluctantly. Watch this next part. This next sentence is a lot to do with why we do church the way we do church. Or under compulsion. In other words, it's not because I've manipulated you. It's not because we've run some kind of uh, uh, scheme. It's not because we've you know, used our gifts and, and, and tried to use that to get money or time out of you. One of the reasons that we will never get up here. We've been in church for, I don't know, a year and a half now. And we've never got up here and asked for workers. We've never got up here and put a guilt trip on you that if you don't get involved... We've never got up here and put a guilt trip on you and ask you to make faith promises and all those kind of financial... We've never done that. We're not trying to be a church that's trying to get anything from you. We want to be a church that's trying to give to you. But what if every person had that attitude? And that right there, that verse is why we don't get up here. We don't use this platform to ask you to give your time, your talent, or your tithe. We use this platform to give God's great message of hope and grace to you and believe God will take it from there. Amen, everybody? Amen. Not out of compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. I'm telling you, when it's time to give, here's what I don't want anybody to do. I don't want you to serve in any area if you've got a bad attitude about it. That's no fun. Could you imagine, Mike, all your setup team today, you know, cussing and kicking and yelling and screaming and, and, you know, I mean, it just wouldn't be fun. I mean, I know they do that every, no, I'm just kidding. All right. But it just wouldn't be no fun. Let's be cheerful givers of our time. 
Yesterday I got caught in a little deal and I needed some help. I called up one of the guys from the church and said, man, I need to, like, in 10 minutes, can you help me out? He said, you know what, i got nothing going on. I'll be glad to do that. I interrupted this guy Saturday to help me out. And then he had such a great attitude about it. It was refreshing. I think it's refreshing to God when we give to God with that kind of attitude. Not good Lord, it's Sunday morning. <laughs> You know, I mean, oh, and I lost an hour of sleep. What? I, man, I can't believe i got to go to church, right? All right. And it goes on. It says, God loves a cheerful giver. Verse number eight is a verse I pray over our lives all the time. Watch this. And God is able to make all grace. Circle that word grace in your notes because another word for grace is favor. Let's read it this way. And God is able to make all favor abound to you. That means come towards you. Abound means come towards. Does that fire anybody up besides me? God is able to make all favor come towards you. He knows your address. Watch this. So that, I love these three letter words right here. So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Wow. That all happens by living generous. Amen? Amen? And so that's how she lives her life. The second thing I think that she would say to us is this. You can't walk the second mile until you've walked the first. In other words, let me just say it this way. There are people I know that says, I'm going to be generous when, and they, they, they mark some invisible place out there, when I get to that. I will serve in the church, I will help others, I will bring my offerings, I will, I will when, when I get my life together, when, when, when I have a better work schedule, when, when I get my bills paid, when, 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 I, when I get everything together in my life, then I'll help everybody else. No, you can't walk the second mile until you've walked the first mile. Let me say it a different way. I have people sometimes when the lottery gets way up there, like, you know, anybody ever daydream like, man, if I hit the $300 billion lottery? First of all, why are you guys playing that? But anyway, uh, you know, and, and I, I daydream about that. And I have people every once in a while say, oh, pastor, I should go buy a ticket because if I win, I would give millions to the church. And I smile and say, isn't that nice? But inside, I'm thinking, no, you wouldn't. Because if you can't give when you're making $1,000 a week, what makes you think you're going to be able to write a check for millions? Right? The Bible says if we're not faithful in small things, you can't walk the second mile until you've walked the first. We have a generation of younger people, and I mean no disrespect, but we have a generation of younger people. They want everything that mom and dad has right now. And they forget that there's a journey to get there. Young people, enjoy the journey. Enjoy step one. New generation, let's enjoy these days that we're in the school cafeteria. Let's enjoy step one. Let's, let's enjoy this race that we're in. It's not all about the destination. The joy is in the journey. Amen. And scripture tells us some things about that, and, uh, and, and they're in, in, your script, in your notes. But here's what I believe. I think Rebecca would say, God's watching how you handle your money, but he's also watching how you handle other things in your life too. How you handle your time, how you handle your words, how you handle your opportunities, how you handle your gifts, how you handle other people. God's watching those things. Number three, I think that Rebecca would say to us, Maybe with a little tongue-in-cheek. I think she'd say, you can't take it with you, but you can send it ahead. 
And I know that sounds a little funny, but that's scriptural. It's kind of like, it reminds me of the story I heard one time of the old miser. The old miser man, he wouldn't spend a dollar on anything. His poor wife never got a new pair of shoes, never got a new dress, never could go out and get a nice hairdo or whatever. And and he was just a miser. And he always told her, he said, look, when I die, I want you to load my casket up with all my money because I'm taking my money to heaven with me. And sure enough, the day came that he died. And she was sitting out there listening to the preacher, probably a little bitter that he, he was such a miser. And, and so right before they closed the casket, she ran up there and put this black box right on his chest and closed the lid. And her friend said, I just can't believe. What was that all about? Well, he always said that he wanted to take his money with him to heaven for me to put all his money in, in, in the casket and send him on to heaven. And she said, really? What did you do? She said, I wrote him a check. <laughs> I love the people that get it like a second later than everybody else. It's like surround sound. Ha 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 ha. Ha 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 ha. Yeah, yeah okay. Anyway. Um, but let me give you a little scriptural support. Matthew 6, 19 to 21. It says this. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on this earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Now again, please don't let this just be about money. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Every time I encourage somebody on the journey, every time I encourage somebody not to give up in the race, every time I say your best days are yet ahead, every time I tell somebody where you're at is not where you have to stay, that's an investment that has eternal value. Is everybody hearing me on that? Every time we give offerings, financial offerings, encouragement from our mouth, Every time we use our time to serve the Lord, that's storing for ourselves treasures in heaven. And it says, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where the thieves do not break in and steal. For where you're, and we're going to get to this verse next. Keep that one in mind. Chapter 6, verse number 21. We'll come to that in this last thing that I think Rebecca would say to us. I think Rebecca would say this. The more, you're more likely to act yourself into feeling than feel yourself into acting. Now, here's what I'll guarantee you. We're all human. And there's days we get up and we don't feel like doing the godly thing. Anybody at all? Come on, let me just see your hands. All right. The rest of you are way too spiritual to be a part of this church. I can just tell you that. I mean, there's just days. I'm sure Mike would never say this, but there's days that team gets up and it's like 100 below zero. You know what I mean? At least it feels that way. And, and, man, I just don't feel like setting this place up. There's days all the babies are crying. You're like, man, I don't feel like serving in the nursery. There's days, whatever it is, that you need somebody to say something nice to you. And you don't feel like saying something nice to somebody else. There's days that you don't feel like being nice to your spouse. Not me. I'd never be like that, honey. But, I mean, there's other people that are that way, right? And, and here's what I'm saying. We've got to act ourselves into feeling rather than waiting for this feeling to come and say, Ooh, I feel like doing that. I feel like giving. I feel like encouraging. No, we're more likely to act ourselves into feeling. See, the Bible says that one of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control, discipline. In other words, I can do it, and a champion does it not just when they feel like it, but when they don't feel like it. I don't always feel like praying. But I'm glad I do after. I act myself into feeling. 
I heard somebody say, one of my friends here that came to small group, our men's small group, and Jeff, you might remember this comment also, but I love, he said, you know, there's mornings I get up on Saturday and I don't really feel like showing up, but I'm always glad that I did. See, that's an example of acting yourself into feeling rather than waiting to feel yourself into acting. You know what? You're never going to feel like, oh, I can't wait to give an offering. I can't wait to. And there's going to be days you don't feel like that, but we've got to act ourselves into feeling. And, and here's the scripture verse that goes with that. Verse number 21 in the same chapter. For where your treasure is, many people misquote this and they turn it around. They say where your heart is, that's where your treasure will be. No, where your treasure is, where your time, where your time, where you invest yourself, where you invest, whether it's financially, whether you invest with your time, whether you invest with your emotion, where you invest yourself, that's where your heart's going to be. Start attending a small group and see if your heart doesn't follow it. Start getting involved in the church and see if your heart doesn't follow that. Write a check and give an offering today and see if you don't have more heart toward what's happening in your church and in your community, right? Where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. All right, we're about out of time and uh, there's some other scriptures in there that you can look at. But now, Rebecca has run a little bit of the race with us and I can just imagine her running and uh, by the way, she's a good runner because she ran to get the water, right? And uh, she's strong. And I think right before she would be seated, I think that Rebecca would say a couple of things to us right before she's seated. And I think she would start off with this. Number one, I think she would say, even the smallest act of generosity can make a difference. It's really not about amount. It's about attitude. I think she'd say, Kim, look, man, I, I, got, I got a spot in the Bible about what I did. But it was only water. It was only two hours. It was nothing compared to Daniel being in the lion's den. It was nothing compared to Jesus dying on the cross. All I did was take what I had and figured out how I could use that to be a blessing to others. I figured out what my personality type, what my spiritual type is. By the way, we'll help you do that. Growth track. And I just used that for the glory of God. It wasn't no big deal. It's water. It wasn't mine. It's just water coming out of the earth. And I used what I have to be a blessing to others. I want to make it easy on you. In your chair today, if you haven't ever seen one of these cards, I, I want to keep them a little better in front of us. It's just a little card that says something extra to show you that God loves you. And then there's a little information about us on the back of that card. But, but I want you to take those cards. You can get more at the resource table, but there's a couple there. And, and would you just do this? Even if you're a shy personality, I want you to use it and say, look, man, I normally wouldn't do this, but my pastor, he's like this mean guy, and he told me I had to do it, so I'm just, all right, whatever you got to do. But I'm just trying to put every tool I can in your hand to help you start this living generous. And so this week, I want you to do it this week. Keep them in your wallet, your purse, your dashboard, whatever. And when you're pulling through Starbucks tomorrow or wherever you stop um, to get your coffee, pay for the person in back of you and ask the cashier to give them the free coffee that you paid for with this card. Just, you'll never know that that person just might need to be reminded Amen. that God loves them. Right. It's just, it's no big deal. It wasn't even my card. 
I'm just using what I got. Pay for somebody's whatever you can. I, wherever you're at in life, find a way to bless them and leave a little card behind that says, hey, I just want to remind you that God loves you. Everybody can do that. Yeah. I said everybody can do that, right? Yeah. All right. Let me tell you a couple other things as we close what I believe that she would say. Um, and by the way, Matthew 10, 42 uh, says, we have, and if anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones who is my disciple, truly I tell you, that person will certainly not lose their reward. You know what that means to me? I like to put everything in modern contact. That means if I go do something for somebody and leave one card behind, God's got my back. Huh? A $4 cup of coffee. I know it's a lot of money. Four whole dollars. You might have to give up a whole Big Mac this week, okay? But you know what? God says, I'll take care of you. I got you. I got you back. Okay? All right. Last two. I got to hurry up. Number two is she would say the impact of your generosity will outlive you. The impact, and I've got story after story about that, but the impact of your generosity, it'll outlive you. There'll be people talking about what you did that you'll never meet. Man, you'll never believe us. It's Starbucks today and somebody bought my car. And they never, but it outlived you. It went bigger than you could just do by yourself. And then number three, the third thing I think she would say is this. When you give, you're really giving to the Lord. And there's a scripture there in your notes, uh, I believe. The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of these, brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. Isn't that a great word from Rebecca today? I know it's not one of them. Come on, you can do it. But if you'll begin to live generously, I believe that in helping others, it helps us along the race. I always say the greatest thing that God ever did for me, for healing in my life, was call me to preach the gospel and to care for others because it helped me learn the lessons I needed to in my life. The same thing can happen to you. Come on, let's run this amazing race for the glory of God. You received that today? Amen. Amen. All right. Well, let's pray together.